You're listening to another episode of the Carboline Tech Service Podcast. I'm Jack Walker, Senior Tech Service Engineer. With me as always, I'll be a little nicer to him this time, is the Director of Tech Service, Paula Jamis. How's it going, Paul? Going good, Jack. It's a little nicer to have a little more respect this time. Well, you know, it's it's funny that you say more respect this time, but I, I did want to point out that if anybody's caught on who's like emailed you or seen your name in print, but there, there's really not a J there. It, it you know, it, it looks like Adzimus, and people ask me all the time, how do we actually say your name? So now that we're in episode nine, hopefully people have caught on that it's a Jamis. Right. And that's, I have been told we need to say our names more often. And that would probably help them out as well, too. Jack Walker, Paula Jamis. In fact, when you started here at Carbline, when every time I walked up to your cubicle, I had to put my hand over your nameplate so I could say your name correctly. Because if I saw it, I couldn't possibly say that. And yes, I'm waving my arms in the studio, <laughs> acting, reenacting, because that's what I do. So anyway, we have many ways for you to get a hold of us. We are available at a Email address, Paul, what's that email address? That email address, technicalservice at carboline.com. You can put podcast in the subject line. We will listen to them. We'll pay attention. We're going to listen to an email? We could if you send it as a voicemail. Oh, uh, that's true. We you might even attach- use that voicemail and put it into this podcast. We could. We could. That would just mean somebody would have to listen and respond with something that we could air. Hey, we have like 450 listens total. Yeah, yeah, we do. Our moms are like putting in They're the overtime. I know, yeah. So anyway, also we're, we're dragging you not only into this century with technology with this podcast, we're bringing you along. We're on Twitter now too. Paul, what's our Twitter handles? You can get us at Carboline Tech. You can also reach Jack at Jack underscore Carbo TS. And I'm at Paul underscore Carbo TS. I'm still patiently awaiting that first tweet. I feel like that nerd in high school that nobody wants to talk to. I'm just sitting in the gym, watching the dance go by, not getting to participate. I'm too much. You can't let them say there's going to be three or four things, and I'm just going to let those go by. All right. So today we're going to have a special guest in with us. Mary Rowley. She is the technical director of innovation for Carboline. She's actually winning a prestigious award here from the SSPC, the Society for Protective Coatings. We'll get into that a little bit later. We kind of want to dive into her wheelhouse of weathering finishes here at Carboline. So today, I'd like to welcome Mary to the show. Thanks for having me here, guys. Before we get started today, I want to say how cool it is that I think what you guys are doing. I really like it a lot. I appreciate um, you bringing us into the current century with these podcasts and you know, opening up a new channel of communication here at Carboline. I think it's great that you've taken the initiative to do this and helping inform people on different things going on in Carboline, different things that affect tech service and um, our products. So kudos to you guys and thanks a lot. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. So let's start the day off with talking about weathering finishes. We have a lot of different categories. It's a really broad range of, of topics that we can talk about. But some of the things that we want to know is what actually goes into qualifying something as a weathering finish? What might we be looking for to say, this is a property that says it is or isn't something that's weatherable? Okay, that's a good question, Paul. So when I look at qualifying a weatherable finish, um, I'm looking at what uh, running testing or doing things that will qualify the coating to withstand that environment. And the most um, aggressive things in the weathering environment would be UV. 
So mm-hmm. um, the natural light that comes from sunlight, sunlight. Um, everybody's familiar with UV. It's that short wavelength of light. Um, we all wear sunglasses that protect us from UV and our sun, put on our sunscreen, right? Yep. Um, so UV from sunlight as well as um, moisture and heat. Those are the things that are coming from the environment that you have to protect from in the system. And I'm looking for things that will withstand um, the weathering environment, mostly heat and moisture and um, temperature. And then um, from other things that can occur in the environment as well. Could be pollution, acid rain, um, other specialty, you know, mildew, things like that. So we're talking about really the top layer of a paint system that's going to be exposed to the to the UV, providing a layer of protection to the underlaying layers that are actually doing the work protecting the steel. This top layer is giving us a weathered finish that protects it from the sun, the rain, maybe pollutants in the air and the atmosphere and look good while they're doing it. Right. You're exactly right, Paul. Now, don't forget, though, that sometimes you put on one coat. And so that weathering finish is your protective layer as well. Normally, those are for lighter duty industrial um, applications. But if you go direct to metal with that weathering finish, you also can be getting your barrier properties and your corrosion protection from that as well. Yeah, all in one coat. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. And then in extreme environments like heat, maybe your weatherable finish is also um, heat resistant. And so you, it might be um, same situation where you're getting the prote- additional protection beyond looking good and protecting what's underneath from UV yep. and the weathering environment. So when we're looking at these tests, you know, one of the main tests that we see a lot is QUV and we'll see UVA, UVB. Is there a main difference that you would look for? Which one would you prefer or do you see run more often? Well, absolutely. What you see more often is the QUVA. So first of all, I think you asked what is the difference between the two? And between the Q, the UVA, and I already said that's that short wavelength of light, the most harmful from the uh, sunlight in the weathering environment comes from that UV range. And that's about 300 to 400 nanometers. Most people probably don't care about that. <laughs> but um, that's what you're talking about. Visible light is 400 to 700 um, uh nanometers so one times 10 to the minus nine is a nanometer so in that range is um the visible light well just a little bit shorter wavelength of light is the uv and that's what causes the most um, harmful degradation so when you're testing by qva and qvb you're accelerating that uv the irradiance um, from the uv of the wavelength of light and a qvb is 313 nanometers a qva is 340 so you got a little bit shorter a little bit harsher out of that qvb now you can also run different cycles in the qv you have light cycles that are hotter and dry and then you have dark cycles where you have condensation so remember when i talked about weatherable finishes and that you need to stand up to uv to moisture and to heat. Well, the beauty of the QV chamber is that it builds in all three. So it's, there are standard cycles that are used in our industry for sure. And again, if I refer back to SSPC, so the um, Society of Protective Coatings, their uh, paint specification 36 is for urethanes. And in that, it tells you what cycle to use, how many hours, what sort of uh, gloss loss and color change that you can have in that time frame for different levels of urethane. So you use these QUVA to accelerate the weathering effects that would occur in nature because ultimately that's what we want to do we want to pass tests of course we want to meet specifications but what we want to do is have coatings that will perform well in natural weathering one thing i want to kind of to bring back about that is is we do that to simulate actual environment but at the same time we also run in environment tests as well because no 
two environments are the same. You know, we live in the Midwest, so that's a little bit different of environment than down near the Gulf or out on the, you know, North Pacific Northwest. So we actually do both to get a good idea of how our weathering finishes perform. The beauty of the tests are that they're accelerated and that they're standardized. So it is the same every time you run it. Nature is not the same and it's not standardized and it's different everywhere that you are, of course. So even if you standardize on a location based on the weather that they get that year, you can get quite a bit different um, weathering in real world. So we will put panels on racks here in St. Louis. We'll put them on rack down at our uh, Lake Charles facility. We put panels um, in exterior exposure down in South Florida and um, try to get actual environmental exposure as well. When we're talking about weathering finishes, there's different things you can do when you're looking for corrosive effects in natural weathering also. And you make a good point that accelerated weathering is one thing, but you really want to do well in natural and real world weathering. But hey, what if I put my panels in January and then my next set I put in June? You know, well, sure. you're, you're going to get a different and then year to year to year, you can get um, a different amount of UV as well. So we're looking to benchmark against things that we know how they perform in real world so that we know that in our accelerated testing that we do as good or better, hopefully better with the new product and that we know that in the world natural environment, that we will also have a similar correlation. From the QUVA testing, um, there is a long history of how things correlate in natural weathering. So Mary, as we're looking at these types of finishes, what kind of parameters are we actually looking at to determine or measure what is a good one and what is a lower level and a higher level? So if we start back at our premise that a weathering finish is something that's a good barrier coat and that it's protecting what's underneath from UV, as opposed to all the other things that we also discussed that a finish can be when it's direct to metal and a a variety of other things. So if we jump back to that, hey, I'm looking for something to be a good barrier coat that is UV stable, then a lot of times what we use to measure that is color change and gloss retention. So we will uh, use the gloss meter to do a 60 degree gloss reading. You measure what the gloss is before you start the test, and then you periodically measure what the gloss is as the test goes on. The other thing that we will do is measure color. So how much does the color shift? By measuring the initial color and then reading from that stored standard and seeing how much the color is shifted over time. So these are the ways that we'll look at a coating for um, how the uh, for how it's changing and how it's holding up to weatherability. Different types of coatings are uh, more or less resistant to breaking down in the environment, but those are the sorts of things we're measuring. So on that note, when we look at the SSPC Paint 36 description, they have three different levels in it. And there's a level one, a level two, and a level three for your urethanes. Level three being the most resistant to all of this. Yeah, you're right, Paul. So for uh, the SSPC Paint 36 specification for a urethane for weathering. A level three urethane, the um, highest performing would be 3,000 hours in the UVA and less than a 25% gloss loss. That's one thing that we need to remember to keep straight here is everybody thinks, you know, one, that's the best. I'm number one, all that kind of thing. Well, in this particular case, a level three is actually the best. Now, on that note of three being the best, how long until it is that they start coming up with a level four or level five? Because personally, I'm looking at our list of things that we've tested and how different products perform and the increase in performance of the different weatherable finishes is pretty astounding 
when you look at something like the 134HG, which has, oh, 4,000 plus hours before it reaches these numbers that would pick it out. So we're well above the 3,000 required. But then we go into like the polysiloxanes or the fluorothane finishes or surprisingly clear coats, which get us up into 9,000 hours before we end up seeing these kinds of of breakdowns where it would drop it out of a level three. So we've kind of taken the 10,000 foot view and we've talked about these technologies more as a, a whole. I kind of wanted to get into some of our products and kind of, you know, make, make our sponsors happy. And one of the things that I really noticed that I, I really wasn't aware before I was prepping to have Mary in here. Yes, we do prep, believe it or not. We do a little bit of research before we do these things. I haven't seen any evidence of that. I believe that. That's true. I mean... <laughs> We're just naturally at this level of performance. (laughs) One of the things that really surprised me when I started looking at this research was the carbothane 134WB, our water-based polyurethane, has amazing performance characteristics. To me, being a tech service, if, if I wasn't even really aware of it, and I talk about the technical aspects of these products all day long... It really is a hidden gem in our product line. I agree with you, Jack. Um, I was involved with the development of Carbothane 134WB. And when we weathered the product, of course, we used our benchmarks. That's the natural thing to do, right? We know what weathers well in our product line, and we would use it as a benchmark. So if you can imagine what we used as a benchmark. Carbothane 134HG, our yeah. standard high-class alphabetic value. And, um, in, you know, so we ran several sets of tests. When you are doing development work on a weatherable finish, one of your key pieces of equipment is going to be the accelerated weathering cabinets, and mm-hmm. especially QVA. But we ran QVB, QVA, weatherometer, outside weathering on the system, and we would benchmark against carbothane 134HG. We would put the 134WB into testing with the 134HG, um, and it would do very well. We would oftentimes, if not um, most of the time, most every time, have a gloss and color color retention. Uh, color retention is excellent on 134HG, but we would have a gloss retention that would exceed what we would see with the 134HG. So we knew we had a real winner. We yeah. really did. And that's the point. It's it's not to disparage 134HG. No, it's 134HG is the benchmark for Carboline and, one th- and high gloss polyurethanes. It's on specifications. It's on so many... When you look for case histories for this product, it's literally everywhere. And it is our number one selling polyurethane. It is, as Paul already mentioned, it exceeds the requirements of SSPC paint 36, the uh, level three urethane. We've got a winner there. And we could see we had an even better winner on our hands with the 134 WB as far as that gloss retention goes in the weathering of it. And why that's important is, is more and more we see the coatings industry moving to this more green isn't necessarily the right word but this more environmentally friendly technology and when you get into a water-based polyurethane and you're seeing it perform that great it's it's really good thing for carboline to hang their hat on it is and when we developed the product it was when um the south coast in california went to 100 grams per liter for voc requirement for field applied uh, products and we worked on the waterborne urethane because we knew we could get there, get down to 100 grams per liter with that technology. At that time, we were selling 134HG and 134VOC. So we had low VOC options, but not 100 grams per liter. That brings me to another one of my number one pet peeves as a technical service person here at Carbline. 
Notice that we just talked about three different products, three completely different products, and they all have the same numbering. Suffixes matter. Everybody say it with me. <laughs> Suffixes matter. All right. So, Mary, we've had such good conversation about all of this, and, and it really was my intention to get into the carboxanes and everything else, but have tension spans that we have to think about and things like that. So we're obviously going to have to have you back so that we can get into that this more. That is exactly more. what I was thinking, yeah. Jack, because <laughs> it, it seems as though we would have topics for at least another podcast, if not several more. There are many other weather bull finishes that we have that have excellent performance and, and ranking those and, and figuring out which ones are best in different types of environments seems like it would be a good topic for future podcasts. But before we can't let you go because later today when this releases, you're, you're actually not going to be here. You're going to be in New Orleans in SSPC receiving an award. That award is the SSPC's Women in Coatings Impact Award. This award recognizes women in the coatings industry who contribute to creating a positive impact on the culture of the industry. First, let us congratulate you, Mary. Congratulations, Congratulations on such a great Mary. award. Thank you. I really... <laughs> I really appreciate you guys' uh, congratulations and, and the congratulations that I've got from a number of people. Thank you so much. Hopefully you'll come back. Oh, absolutely. I wasn't quite sure what to expect here in the studio at Carbine <laughs> Tech Service, um, but it's been a, a fun experience for me. I uh, would enjoy coming back and talking to you again. Absolutely. Thank you. We can't wait. Thank you. Well, that brings us to the end of another Carboline Tech Service podcast. Remember that you can get a hold of us at technical service at carboline.com. You can also reach us at Twitter at Carboline Tech. Jack, Jack underscore CarboTS. And I'm at Paul underscore CarboTS. Thanks and have a good one. And if you're down at SSPC, enjoy yourself this weekend in New Orleans. Have a muffaletta for me. Come and look me up. I'll be there. All right. Have a good one. Who put the line in Carboline? Put the line in, probably, no matter